Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. This week, TJ and Sam discuss in-game coaching strategies, including making adjustments, how and when to use timeouts, managing our emotions and our team's energy, ensuring your team is prepared, and more. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Hardwood Hustle. TJ and Sam with you today. And TJ, we're doing an in-game coaching track right now with our PGC coaching community. And it's triggered a lot of really good conversation that we wanted to bring to the Hardwood Hustle and just how to be a better in-game coach. We talk a lot about making in-game adjustments, which we'll unpack a little bit here, and all the things that go with making a great game coach. So much what's out there in the coaching world is about how to be a better coach and specifically how to run better drills, better practices, all that. We recognize, shoot, there's a need for resources and opportunity to grow as a in-game coach. So excited to have this conversation today. What are some of your opening thoughts for the audience? Yeah, you know, I mean, having a really good time with our PGC coaching members going through this track, you know, spending a lot of times, you know, four weeks, spending an hour and a half plus homework. I mean, we're diving into this thing for, you know, 10 to 12 hours on in-game coaching. And I know that can sound overwhelming, but there's so many things that go in to in-game coaching and really diving into being great at your craft. And we'll try and cram in here to 30 minutes as much as we can um, to help, or at least pick out a couple things to talk about. Uh, But my initial thoughts are that this is something we don't spend enough time on. You know what I mean? Like there's so many crucial decisions, your approach, your attitude, your energy, you know, how you affect your team, how your team affects your mood, how the crowd affects you, how you affect the crowd. I mean, like there's just so so many things that go into in-game coaching. I know we're going to dive into those that oftentimes it's just like, well, when it, when it comes up, I'll be, I'll know what to do. And I don't think that's always true. I mean, I think the more experienced you have, the more years you have in, it is easier to make some in-game adjustments, but there's a lot of time and effort and thought that go into being, you know, intentional about doing the best you can in game to help your team be better. Absolutely. And I think we both believe, and I think a lot of coaches listening would say, you can win games on the practice floor. That's where you build the habits. You build the the offensive system. The def- You build all those things in practice, and the game is a result of whatever those habits are. And I'm not going to say but, but and to that, there's real, there's a reality that the in-game decisions you make can make or break a game and a season. We've seen it happen. We see it in basketball. You know, I'm going to do my obligatory football reference. Um, you know, we talk a lot about football coaching. I was listening to a podcast this morning while I was working out and they were talking about Lane Kiffin and how great of a job he's done at Ole Miss. But when he gets in big games, they're like, man, this guy's too emotional. Do you remember him last year when he was getting interviewed before the game and he was like, get your popcorn out and threw his, threw his headset down before the Alabama game. And the, the guy, this football guy was arguing Lane Kiffin was too emotional. Like he gets too hyped for a big game and he needs to chill out so his team can just go perform. That's just one element of it. Like how do you control your own emotions, let alone making those important in-game decisions? But I, I think it is you can make a decision in-game that quite frankly can swing a game or 10 or 15 points, I believe. I mean, would you agree with that statement? 
Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, look, it's not easy to do. I mean, there's a lot of times when I'm on the sideline coaching and thinking, like, no matter what I decide, it seems to go to be gold. You know, it's like, gosh, every decision is right. And then there's times when it's like, man, our team is just not there. And no matter what I choose, it seems like it just doesn't work. And so it's it's not like a, a perfect science to any of that. And so that's what makes it so difficult to be good at. But on the other end of it, I do think you can learn from things that haven't worked, things that have worked. Um, and and even, even if you don't win, did I throw my best shot at them? You know, that I, that I try, that I make the adjustments that, because sometimes you're like, gosh, we can't guard a man, right? So then you go, oh, well, we can't guard him zone either. Like, you're just having trouble both ways. And, you know, you're kind of um, out of, of options of things that you can throw at them. But did you try and throw the things at him or did you too quickly throw something at them versus sticking with what you do best? Did you do like the, the, none of those are exact science, but there are things I do think you can learn and get better at and be a little bit more calculated in your decision making on the sideline. And sometimes the best in-game adjustment is no adjustment. The best in-game decision is no decision. Phil Jackson was notorious. Now he was coaching some of the best in the world, but where when his team was getting a run put on him, what'd he do? He didn't call timeout when other coaches did. He wanted his players to figure it out. You know, and that's the same thing, just just real quick, that's the same thing that um, Joe Mazzula, the new Celtics coach, took a lot of heat for yeah. recently, like not calling those timeouts, right? And so, like, you know, it's, it's easy in hindsight, right? Everybody's an armchair quarterback, and it's easy to say yes or no or, or whatever. Um, you know, I listened to Joe Mazzula interview, and, and he took some responsibility for it, said he could have done better. Like he said, and I think it's just improving his in-game coaching, you know, as he goes to a different level. It's different things, different requirements and you know the, the thing that I believe he'll figure it out is because he's just growing and taking accountability to it. like I do need to get better in certain certain areas yeah and I agree with that completely just did a uh, video for uh, our YouTube channel talking a little bit about that about the Celtics and you know you grow a lot as a coach and Missoula is a good example he's I've listened to him too he's very growth-minded and I think they will be better because he's in year two of being a head coach of NBA. You learn so much being in the fire. So one thought and then one question, TJ, for you. So the first is when we're thinking about all this, a great reference is a book called Annie, uh, not called Annie, a book written by Annie Duke called Thinking in Bets. And this book unpacks decision making. And do you, you know, making coaching decisions is a lot more like poker than it is like chess. It's not like I make a move, they make, you're making calculated decisions based on the information you have, and then you got to live with the results. And the famous story is Pete Carroll throwing the ball in the Super Bowl, the Patriots intercept. Everybody said it was a bad decision. Well, when you go back and look at the facts of it, it was a good decision based on the analytics and everything he had in front of him. Now, it didn't result that way, but do you base your decisions on results? Like, no, bad shot. No, don't shoot. Don't shoot. Made the shot. Good shot. Good shot, TJ. Like so many coaches do that. Don't shoot it, and then they make it. Well, was it a good shot on the release, or was it a good shot on the make or the miss? So I I reference that because I think that's a good reference point to be thinking through this. And then second thing is you mentioned this on one of the calls that a lot of coaches really liked. And it's this dope approach, D-O-P-E. So maybe 
you could just unpack a little bit of that for those listening. Well, I think part of making the right decision is asking the right questions. And, you know, that's just a quick acronym to like go down the list and, and it stands for defense, offense, personnel, and then energy. You know, so if you call a timeout or, you know, it's halftime or you're trying to make a decision, you know, asking yourself, do I need a defensive adjustment, an offensive adjustment, a personnel adjustment? Or is it that just our energy, our passion or whatever, and I need to try and find a way to change that because we're actually doing the right things. We're just not doing them hard enough. And so it really you know, it just puts a little bit of order to your decision making. And as you're looking at the game, am I happy with what we're doing defense? Do we have a chance to win the game playing this way? Am I happy with what we're doing offensively? Do we have a chance to win this game this way? And so, so on with the, the P and the E, the same thing. And if the answer is no – then you go to your your bag. You know, what do I got? Like, what can I change? What can I do? Um, and, you know, it's not always a clear-cut answer. You might just be in a game where you're playing man-to-man and they're just destroying you. And you ask yourself, like, all right, can we win playing this way? No. Do I have a solution that's going to help us to be able to win? The answer may be, I don't know. But I need to try something because I know we can't win the way we're playing. And or you might be like, yeah, you know, actually, I think this has really hurt this team if we were getting killed off the dribble and we're just going to pack it in and go zone or whatever, you know, whatever the adjustment is on a post player. It could be a small adjustment to your man. It could be a big adjustment to a change of defense. But you're really just trying to ask yourself the right questions and go on down, because a lot of times we get emotional and you know, I see a lot of timeouts. It's just all about you're not doing what I told you. You know, when sometimes the answer is like, even when I do what you're told, it's not good enough. And so, yeah, the, the DOPE is just putting some organization to like even prioritizing. You might need a defensive adjustment, offensive adjustment, personnel adjustment and an energy adjustment. But which one is most important right now? Like, what's the one thing I can do because I'm limited time, 32 minutes, 40 minutes in college, whatever it is. Like I have a limited amount of time to try and change our fortunes. And, and in game, bullets are flying and things are coming at you fast. So I think the dope approach that you're mentioning, it, it gives you structure and it allows you to, it frees you up and organizes your thoughts better. And so much of your in game decision making really comes down to your preparation. Have you prepared really well as a coach and covered off everything before the game ever happens? so that you're prepared to make those. And there's going to be things that happen in a game that you didn't prepare for, but you, because of your preparation, you're going to be successful. So an example is, have you thought through if we get in foul trouble, uh, what is my personnel decision substitution going to be? Have we thought through if they start giving us trouble with their, with their offensive actions, you know, what adjustment can I make? Like the more you think about that, another way is discipline equals freedom. The discipline you have in your preparation will give you more freedom in game to make the necessary decisions. I think some coaches try to wait till the de- the decision happens, then they're making it when the decision could have been made days before, hours before, you know, this, you know, in the preseason, really. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, if you if you could only coach one, if someone said, hey, you can only coach the practices or you could only coach the games. Right. I would say, well, I'd only do the practices and I'd take my chances in the game. So there is a lot of value in how important practices are and doing that. But we get the opportunity to coach both. And we know that everything 
that we do in practice. There's game slippage. We know there's emotions. We know people feel differently. We know there's just a lot of things. Like you said, bullets are flying. A lot of things can go different. Everyone, you know, Mike Tyson's old saying, everyone's got a great plan until they get punched in the face, right? And so it's like, and what are we going to do when we get punched in the face? And that's oftentimes where a coach is needed. And, and I have solutions or I have things that we can do. You know, we shared with our our our, uh, our PGC coaching members like a game sheet, like what we actually bring to the table during a game and um, what we can use in a game. And in that sheet, uh, one of the things that I often like to use or do is just know my options. You know, like let's just say we go up against a great post player. What have we worked on in practice that I could actually call? You know, what adjustment could I actually make? And so it just helps me. And I use the game sheet as a lot of coaches do to look down and be like, all right, I know the problem is D it's on defense right now. What other options do we have? Here's and I on my game sheet. Here's the three or four adjustments we have that are within our man to man defense. And then here are the two adjustments we have that are outside of our man to man defense. And then I'm trying to choose from that list. What is the best adjustment we could make right now to give ourselves a better chance? I like it a lot. Yeah. And again, you're constantly evaluating another way to help you, you know, is to have staff with assigned roles. Now you're at the college level and you have assistants who you can assign things to, you know, you may be a, um, a one hit wonder where you're, you're coaching and you're the only coach on the bench. But when you have a staff and you train them to be, positioned or aligned with certain things. I think that helps TJ, like somebody who's, who's got their eye eye on the personnel, is somebody tired, is somebody in foul trouble? Do we need to make a sub personnel based? And then maybe you have a, or maybe you have an assistant who's watching defensively certain things or rebounding. I think that helps you also make better decisions. Now as a head coach, and maybe you could speak into this, if you have assistants funneling you, you know, with too much information, that can be a problem as well. So how do you filter that information when your assistants are are just pumping it to you? You know, I think one of the things that you want your assistants to do is ask the right questions, too. Right. Like it's really easy to want to play armchair quarterback as an assistant coach. But can they give you um, direct feedback have they gone through dope as well like look i I think this is where we're struggling defensively i think this might be something we could try or use in this scenario now you as a head coach are going to choose whether or not um you do that or not but the better precise the more precise the information can be the better it is for you as a coach to take it in and to help make you your decisions because you're going to trust your assistants they're seeing things they're looking through things but you know oftentimes the the idea of like Oh my gosh, we're not playing hard enough. These guys can't guard the dribble. Oh, these there's, that's not good feedback, right? Like you're seeing the same thing they're seeing. We can complain about it, but hey, look, we're having problems on the offensive end, the defensive end, and we're having some personnel problems. Well, what's the highest priority right now? What's the one thing we could do that might make the biggest difference? Let's start there. And I think narrowing down that information by asking the right questions is a really important one. Well, I call that are you a problem identifier or a solution provider? There's a big difference in saying we're not rebounding. We can't guard the dribble. Well, that that just is the obvious. We could pull a fan in the stand down to tell us that. What are we going to do about it? What's our solution to it? Are we giving some reminders to the guys on the bench? 
you know, that's another thing. You can train your players on the bench to like actually provide feedback to their peers. But I see it happen where, and I probably was that coach as a young coach is like, you just state all the problems, but you don't have any solutions for it. Or you're at halftime and you're just talking about all the things we're not doing. I love, I always think about what Bill Belichick told all his scouts in the NFL draft room is like, stop telling me what these guys can't do. Tell me what they can do and then let me figure out whether we can draft them or not. And so I think that's important for coaches. Don't just be the problem identifier, be a solution provider. And that mindset, I think, really helps. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I think in, in game, you know, you, you talked about this in the in game track, but like just using your timeouts wisely, right? Like it, so many times we use timeouts to complain, to argue, to get mad, to get whatever it is. And, you know, that's one of those things where it's like at the highest level in the NBA, they know there's a lot of stoppages of plays, a lot of games. They're always using it to try and steal a bucket. You know, like when you look back at it and the clock stopped 13, 14, 15 times and you had a chance to try and help your team, did you use all of those, all 14 of those timeouts just to tell them how mad you were? You know, like, and I think that that's one of those times when emotions get in the way where it's like, oh, man, what if those 14 times I could have got a six or eight good buckets out of that and, you know, and, and run something that would have helped our team versus just complain. That's, you know, I don't know, maybe you lost by 18 and it only saved you 10 or 12 points, but those are big points. And so I think you want to build the habit of, um, you know, there and there are times to get emotional to try and draw it out of your team. But also, you know, I don't know if that's a best use of every single timeout. Yeah, we talked about the stir approach with timeouts. You, you know, you call it for strategy, you call it to change tempo. You call because you need to inspire your group, you know, with, with passion. Or do you need rest? You might be coaching a team that you play six guys and you're going to have to use a timeout to give guys rest because you can't afford to sub. And but those are the thing. This goes back to the preparation thing. You got to be thinking about these, and you got to know your team. And something you said earlier was like, okay, if I had to pick between practice and game, I'm picking practice. Obviously, you don't have those situations where it's an either or false, uh, you know, dichotomy there. But the point is, you pick practice, but you're in your practices. You're getting to know your team really well. You know what they do well, where they struggle. And so it allows you in game to just be a better in game coach. Uh, but timeouts, timeouts is an interesting one because I've seen over the last 10 years, coaches calling timeouts for the stranger. Like their team will be on a run. Let's say they go on an 8 0 run and they bang a three for the, to go on this 8 0 run for the final uh, eight, six, seven, eight points. They call a timeout. Now, why did we call a timeout? Did we call it because we saw somebody on TV do that? I mean, I'm, I'm not being funny. Like, I'm being serious. Like, why did we just call a timeout when all the momentum is going our way? Let the other coach call the timeout. Do you see this happen in the college game sometimes where you or, – or not much? Yeah, I think so. I think it's become more popular to call it on a good scenario than a bad scenario, right? And, and I do think it's it's – time and situation that matters. I mean, there's times it might be, hey, there's three and a half minutes left in the game. It's been a back and forth game. We're up three and we hit a big three. We go up six and hey, look, okay, this is a crucial moment in the game. We call timeout. Let's get our defense set. If we can get a stop 
and a score, we go up eight or nine. And now, now there's a big, you know, big difference there. And so, you know, sometimes I think those offensive flow calls are strategic um, where you're trying to say, look, here's a chance for us to end the game. Here's a chance for us to create that separation. But a lot of times it's just like, Hey, yeah, big three. And we're just calling it to be calling it. So I'm not here to question anybody's strategy uh, and what they're deciding to do, but I would say, I would go into a game prior to that, knowing what kind of things I do want to do. When do I want to use my timeouts if all goes well? Now, the game might change. You might have to use them at different times, but it is a um, I'm not calling timeouts out of a fad. I'm calling timeouts out of what's going to help us win, you know, and I don't know. Sometimes like I, I could be wrong, but I think sometimes those timeouts after a big bucket are like, hey, you see our team coming back. You see what we're doing, like trying to get, you know, like uh, they could be a little bit like just uh, uh, I don't know. But sometimes they're strategic too, like to set the defense or get a sub in there to get a stop in a bucket that will end the game or create separation. I can see it going both ways, but I oftentimes think people just call them because they think it's the thing to do versus, hey, I'm strategically doing this because I believe this is what our team needs right now. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like I, I guess I am questioning it a little bit, like why, but just knowing why you call a timeout is the main thing and having a rhyme and a reason. And, and you, you know, I think about this when I'm coaching in games, if I have five timeouts, I like to have two of those timeouts for the last six, seven minutes of the game. You know, in a close game, up or down, like I know I at least want one in the final minute. It may be for an inbounds play, maybe to reset strategy on a particular situational play. And so that's one time. Then I want another timeout just for later in the game. So I got two, right? I know I know I got three timeouts. How I use those, I'm thinking ahead, like, am I playing a team that's superior to us? And I'm going to have to, like, call timeout strategically to just talk to my guys and get their minds right. Maybe we're playing a mind game as much as a physical game, and I'm going to use my timeouts to to infuse confidence, to remind our guys what we're doing, how we're doing it, what what needs to happen. Like, So I'm thinking about all these things, but I'm also I'm not afraid to burn two timeouts early if we need to as well. Maybe we're playing an inferior opponent and – we're better than them. And I think we might have a little bit of lull in our, in our approach or something. So just thinking about those type of things, like knowing how many timeouts you have, how many do you need late game? How many you're going to use early if you need to, and why would you use them? Like just thinking about those things already puts you in a better position. Yeah. I I think it's, there's an art and a science to that. Right. But I do think it helps going into the game knowing like maybe what you need to do to win you know like there's some opponents where I feel like we need to really try and chop the game up as much as possible you know where I, I think that we need to try and execute that as many timeouts as we can we need to, to stop the tempo and the run or maybe we need to put them in there like you know we, we open up this weekend with two teams at full court press all the time and so I'm already thinking through like, OK, we're not that deep. How are we going to use our timeouts? Like, how are we going to stretch this game out and make it more of a possession game than we are just a running gun game, not get carried away? You know, and, and I can have my best laid plans, but there also might be some runs where you need to stop. You need to catch your breath. You see your team fatigue. You can't get a sub in or whatever. And so there's some there is some science. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to prepare how to chop the game up a little bit. But at the same time, you know, there's going to be some little bit of art to it where it's like, well, I didn't plan on using one now, but we need this for this particular reason. 
That's really good there. What else would you say in terms of in-game coaching? Because there's so many decisions that that go into to a coach in a game. There, I don't know what the number is. I would argue. I mean, there's probably hundreds of decisions, right, from substitution to timeouts to talking to the referee to pulling a kid aside during a free throw to turning to your bench and saying something to the 15 ideas you got from your assistants. There's a lot going on in game. What what other ones that we haven't mentioned would you say coaches should be aware of? Before you answer that, I do have kind of a, a thought along with it. We haven't talked about stats and how they play into certain decision making, like what? So actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna cancel my last question. What what's your? Here's the question for you: Stats. What stats are you looking at um, during a game? Yeah, well, two things. So Sam, you were going down the one direction. I just say the one thing we haven't talked about was, you know, just your emotions towards the players. Like how do you, or officials? Like do you, how do you want to? You know, we, we in, in one of the clips we showed in our PGC coaching in game coaching was, you know, a coach just going off on a player and that player is just shutting down. Mm. You know, and so there that happens often where we just go into a game and we're just we just get caught up in our own emotions we don't recognize how we affect other people when you look back on the game you're like man it would have been nice to have that player fully engaged and confident the whole game but i ruined their game i ruined their confidence eight minutes in and they were a totally different player so like i think that's one you know we won't have to dive all the way into that but i do think coaches paying attention to their emotions are like you look back on a game it's like how could i have helped my team but in the meantime, you spent the whole game yelling at the ref, right? Like, I think thinking about through those emotional approaches is really important. And statistically, you know, some things that I think are, are really important, like, you know, we've talked about this on another one, but I, I do believe rebounding has a, a great deal to do with being a championship team. I don't think it's the only thing, but I think uh, it's a really important thing. And so that's one that I pay attention to. Like, are we putting pressure on the offensive glass? Are we shoring up and, and leaving them to one possession by rebounding the ball on the other end? Like, that's a that's a pretty big, you know, uh, one to me. And I think field goal percentage is always a really good one to look at. It doesn't tell the whole story, but most of the time when you're getting good shots, your field goal percentage is pretty solid and when you're not getting good shots it's not so I think you have to pay attention to that one as well but even that you can sometimes watch in the game and know am I happy with my team shot selection or am I not happy with my team's you know shot selection and then um, you know I think and these are things that we know help win and lose I mean there's the other little ones like turnovers and things like that Um, but all of those things go into the big picture of watching the whole game. And like, am I happy with how we're doing? Um, and, and the things that I've demanded of them, I think is a big one for me. Like I usually put up three things on the board offensively and defensively before a game that I think are really important for us to win. And I really like to check back in on those at halftime and be like, are we doing these things? You know, we've put all our work to watch film and we know that this is what this team does. Well, are we doing these things? I think is a great question at halftime. The things that you emphasize prior to the game, are they happening in game? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Does your pregame talk align with your postgame or halftime talk? Yeah, to, to kind of put my own perspective on too, TJ, every game brings its own um, areas of focus. But if you look at rebounding, turnovers, and shot quality, any game, regardless of opponent, I think that's a good telltale sign. Are you winning the rebounding battle? Are you winning the turnover battle? And then are you getting good shots on offense and making them take tough shots? If you do those four things well, 
uh, you're going to, you're going to be successful, you know, consistently. Any final thoughts yeah. as we wrap up? No, I mean, obviously, you know, we spend dozens of hours talking about this, so there's a lot more to cover, but I do think just in general, thinking about being better at making adjustments, controlling the emotions in a way that guides your team towards winning rather than being emotional, I think is a really big thing. And and knowing what you you know, you take care of stat wise that you feel like it's important for you to win. I think having some metrics is important, Um, you know, but most importantly, I think is like, what is your game plan? How are you going to handle things? Like, you know, stuff's going to go well, you know, stuff's going to go bad. You know, there's going to be bad officiating, you know, there's going to be like, there's all, all, you know, there's going to be attitude. Like before it ever happens, do you have a decision made on some ways you want to handle that? Because if you don't, then you're going to handle it emotionally. And that usually doesn't work out well. I love it. Yeah. We're just scratching the surface, coaches, players, leaders, listening. And Hey, if you listen to this and find value in it, it'd mean a lot to us. If you subscribe to whatever platform you listen to on, give us some shout out on social media. We're at hardwood underscore hustle on Twitter and you can find us on Instagram too. We appreciate you listening. And that is TJ and I am Sam and we are the Harwood Hustle. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Harwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. If you're interested in one of our coaching clinics, diving into one of our coaching tracks, or simply joining our PGC coaching community, go to pgccoaching.com to find the support you've been looking for in all aspects of your coaching. From the Harwood Hustle team, thanks again. We can't wait to be with you again next week.